0: All things change, whether we like it or not. And when you can take on that change early and often, it's it's less jarring. And so, when you have a team of people, whether it's internally or externally, but they're they're sort of slowly, continuously maintaining or adding features or you know patching security vulnerabilities or whatever it may be, um, you're taking on that change proactively. That's what we refer to ultimately as this operational expenditure approach that you know that you're going to have to spend some money to keep this asset that you've created, you know, moving into the future uh, with, with some wisdom.
1: The big question is, how can you fix and transform your organization's most important foundation, your software, into an asset which allows you to become better every single day? Each department is at its best when it can smoothly, efficiently, and productively operate. And to do that, you need to pay attention to the lifeblood of your organization, your software. The custom software creation geniuses at Architect Now are presenting this podcast as a way to help leaders think more strategically about their software and to roadmap what needs to happen in order to be at the top of their game. No, this podcast is not going to scramble your brain by talking about DevOps or API calls. Our goal on this show is to make you better by giving you the high-level insights that you need so you can better make decisions that will not only be cost-effective, but will help your team on an intangible level, as well as a technical one. Welcome to Newsflash, your software company. Welcome to our next episode. In this episode, I am joined by Kevin gross and Don Jacobs-Meyer from Architect Now. Uh, I'm your co-host, Corey Durkin, and today we're going to be talking about what it means to switch your mentality as a business, thinking about what it means to operate your company in the 21st century. Welcome to the 21st century, by the way, in case nobody has extended that hand to you. Welcome. You have a different set of priorities and parameters with which to operate in if you want to grow your business and scale your business and serve your customers at the highest level. And we can tell you that the executive level mentality in many respects has to be updated. And there are plenty of companies that are really leading the charge with this kind of new mentality when it comes to thinking about what it means to operate in this space, in this time as a software company. And, you know, really kind of changing the infrastructure of, the way that people budget, the way they think about paying for talent, the way they think about fixing and developing their software. We're gonna talk in this episode a little bit about the differences between CapEx and OpEx. Um, you know, Building something and paying for it. How do you do that? It's a big difference between the way that businesses approach this in 2000, in 2010, and now heading into 2022 and beyond. There is a very different mentality that needs to be updated. And we wanna make sure that if you're listening to this episode, you're aware of how the leaders in the global business marketplace are approaching this. You know, our goal with the newsflash, you're a software company and boy, does this title really hit home for this episode right now is to give you that competitive edge, to give you the understanding of what's possible in the technology space, because there are a ton of people who are operating like it's 2007 and Ultimately, the competitors that are gaining ground on you are the ones who are able to roll with the punches and adopt this new mentality. So, talk to me a little bit about the idea of an internal narrative, which suggests that, you know, if if I'm a manufacturing company, for example, and I make, um, you know, I make microwaves, uh, my first thought on a day to day basis is I'm a microwave company. This is what I do. We make the best microwaves to put in your house or, you know, we're a financial company and we create, uh, you know, data. We, we, we read data and analyze data and make recommendations to our clients based on what we find. Um, talk to me about how to kind of think about it from a different perspective and, and expand the vision or change the vision beyond just this is what we do. This is what we get paid for.
2: I think there's a, there is that, you know, different mentality today that successful companies think about. There's different, they're hiring for roles like chief technology officers and, you know, they're hiring software developers, even if that's not their thing. I mean, your your example of a a manufacturing company, they make microwaves. They might have, you know, we see a lot of these, especially these larger manufacturing companies, they might have 20 or 30 or a hundred software developers on staff. And these software developers and their management, the CTO, they're building solutions for that organization to tie the rest of their divisions together their shipping their engineering their they're using services in the cloud for all of their communication and collaboration they they may be building tools that run internally or, or or in the cloud that help streamline everything else they do if you if you lift it and you know one day all of the, that technology know-how and those people that are building solutions for that manufacturing company, you know, the, the factory floor comes to a screeching halt. They're no longer shipping these. They're no, they don't know who is ordering them. They're, you know, they're selling things online. Take an online presence where people are buying your your microwaves or widgets. There's a lot of technology that keeps that company running in companies that are competitive in this marketplace, in you know, the global economy of, of 2021 that we're in right now is. You know the, the people that can really optimize that technology and leverage it to give themselves a competitive advantage. And they think that way. They know that technology is the secret sauce. Uh, they're not just doing things the old school way with you know hammers and nails and pounding away on a factory floor. There's robotics involved in AI and machine learning, looking at trends over time and analyzing your competitors. And it, it ranges from customer facing to internal all over. And it's all technology. Uh, it's crazy. People are now figuring out how best to use IOT devices, the internet of things and and tracking how efficient robots are all the way to, uh, I have a friend that works at Microsoft in the IOT space and he has a customer that in airports around the country, they're putting IOT devices in the toilet paper dispensers of bathrooms so that somebody could look at a dashboard and know which bathrooms are running low on toilet paper and exactly which stalls so they're more efficient at sending out workers to just replace what's low and not have to worry about going everywhere. Whereas 10 years ago, they just had someone on constant rotation going through 200 bathrooms. So they optimized a process that was slow and they saved themselves money. And that's a low level example, but there's technology is changing the way every business works. And that technology is ran by software and the companies that build and design that software, whether for others or for themselves are software companies. And we try to explain that to people newer to the, that space. They, they come to us, for example, and they say, we, we have identified a problem we need a partner like yourself to help us go build this tool. And, you know, you're going to spend six months or, you know, we work with them to decide what they need and gather all the requirements and, you know, draw a box around it. And, but we warn them along the way that the minute you do this, the minute you build this tool, we help you and we, we get it and your users are using it. You are now a software company. You're going to have to maintain that tool. You're going to have to think about what it should do next. You're going to have, whether you rely on a partner like us or you start to hire You know, depending on the size of the tool, we warn everybody at some point, you're going to have to hire your own software developers and you're going to have to consider what tools they need and what, you know, you're going to have to hire someone to manage them. And then, you know, a CTO and pretty soon all these things that you think are foreign to you because you've not really dealt with the world of software engineers before are going to become the norm because your company is going to need to rely on them so much that you're going to need them to work directly for you.
1: And I think that that's really powerful because you're, you're describing the shift in understanding that the actual value add to the marketplace is not the widgets that you're building, the microwaves that you're producing. It's about the software that your entire company runs on, and that's not that's not just the manufacturing floor, right? That's just not that's not just the uh, the financial advisors in your offices. Um, it's also about everything that comes before. And after, right, it's about the procurement, it's about the delivery, it's about the logistics, all these pieces of the process are run by software in some capacity. And if you are on the leading edge of business competition, you are aware that your value is sure you have to produce an amazing product or provide an incredible service. But the actual value is more about the underlying current of that business, right?
2: You're exactly right. I mean, even your HR, your accounting, every, every division, you, I mean, no matter how you slice and dice your company, any employee is relying on software today. It's almost universal. And uh, in, in, it's growing at an exponential pace. And the more efficient those tools are at talking to each other and data shared, the more visibility you at whatever level you might be have into the things necessary reports and analytics and, you know, the right numbers that you're measured the 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 key indicators for your particular role, the more efficient you can run a company with less people. I hate to say less people. I'm not really saying attrition, but that's really the goal. Let people do something that's a net positive to the company. If something could be automated with technology, automate it so that, you know, better problems can be solved with the human mind somewhere else. And that's really, we, we look across our particular customers, you know, ecosystem, you know, all of our customers, and there are some that are hitting a home run and others that we can, you know, they, you know, we're not telling them anything new. They say, hey, we know our competitors are better at us than this thing at this particular aspect of the business. And we're trying to catch up here. We need technology. And they're looking at devices and hardware that are, you know, phones and they got a workforce that's out and about maybe making sales calls. Can you put an app on their phone to make their life so much easier? Now you got virtual reality and we got salespeople at customers that walk into their customers and can hold up a phone and virtually show them, you know, 3d representation of products, things that five years ago would have seemed like, you know, something out of a movie in Hollywood. And now it's becoming the norm for smaller companies to, to have that capability because they're, they're innovating to be better than their competitor. They're realizing software is the way to be better, regardless of what you think your business is software makes you better at it.
1: Well, I think that the idea of innovating to be better than your competitor is it's just something that when you're in the day-to-day of business, you're not thinking about the bottom 80% of the iceberg. You know, I picture those graphics that we see, the memes that we see online all the time of of the iceberg, and you've got 20% of it at the top, and you've got 80% of it underwater. And, you know, the 80% of what's underwater is what we're describing. We're describing, if you want to do an 80-20, uh, you know, 20% of your inputs equal 80% of your outputs. Um, for every business in 2021, 22, and beyond, that 80% of your business is driven by the software and is driven by your digital infrastructure. Um, and we found that out when the pandemic hit. And something as simple as remote working was an immense challenge for so many companies. And so I think that this idea of how do you dig into the bottom of the iceberg and be able to innovate your software to, to outlast your competitors and ultimately to provide a better service to provide a better customer experience. That's what we're talking about. And one of the ways you have to do that is you have to think about operational costs versus single use. The idea that we are not in an era where we buy a software package or a custom solution and we just sit with it and it runs for the next 10 or 15 years, okay? This is, it's not like buying a car, and just watching the depreciation happen as soon as you drive it off the lot. This is more like a leasing mentality. It's more like kind of, you know, understanding that you have the ability to be connected to the source that's going to fix your problems, that's going to monitor it, that's going to help you throughout the days, weeks, months, years, as opposed to I own this thing and I'm just going to keep it for myself and hope that it stays exactly the way I need it to be forever. So tell me a little bit about sort of that mentality of operational cost versus single use.
0: Yeah. So for me, this, this really comes down to how you uh, either avoid or embrace change. So all things change, whether we like it or not. And when you can take on that change early and often, it's, it's less jarring. And so when you have a team of people, whether it's internally or externally, but they're, they're sort of slowly continuously maintaining or adding features or you know, patching security vulnerabilities or whatever it may be, um, you're taking on that change proactively. That's what we refer to ultimately as this operational expenditure approach that you know that you're going to have to spend some money to keep this asset that you've created, you know, moving into the future uh, with, with some wisdom. It's not to say that these capital expenditure projects are wrong. There's certainly a use case for them. Um, you know, when you stand up a brand new startup or project of some kind you know there's typically an upfront just cash infusion to build this thing right um but very quickly you find yourself in a situation where okay well we've built it it's gone it's in production awesome we have a party oh but we found a bug oh but there's this new technology that came out that it it might allow us to like you know cut our storage costs by 10% you know, what does that mean for our bottom line? Can we switch over to this new technology? If you don't have a budget or a mentality for incremental change like that, you have, you know, pigeonholed yourself into, well, whatever you built initially is what you got. And you're going to ride that, you know, for as long as you can.
1: And 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 to, to the credit of the people that are still in that mentality, because it is common, mm-hmm. yep. that was the way that we did it for a long time, right? Right. I mean, that was no different than buying music. I mean, you know, we we used to go to record stores and buy the records, and then we bought CDs, and then we we, we bought eight tracks, and then cassettes, and then CDs. And then we bought um, MP3s from the iTunes music store, and we downloaded them to a hard drive. And we said, these are my MP3s, and I love them, and they're mine. And then we switched to streaming and now you pay 10 15 bucks a month to spotify or apple music or wherever you listen to your your music and you get access to everything you get access to updates you get access to new music you get access to all kinds of things and and so it's it, i i get what you're saying where you know it's um it's really important to think about it from an operational expenditure versus a whole ownership it's just kind of hard to make that mind shift sometimes because we've been from a business standpoint we've been in that old model of i pay x amount of money now i own this thing and now it runs for as long as we can so that's that's not an uncommon conversation right. to come up against right yep and,
0: and it's, it's, i have a lot of respect
2: it's like building a home right most most individuals you go find a custom home builder and you design your home you pick based on your needs today you invest a lot of money you go to you know presumably you're not paying cash you go you know to a bank and convince them that that asset's going to be worth something they, they finance 90% or 80%. You build it uh, just by building a home does not make you a carpenter or a contractor. You, know, you build it and then you kind of just go into maintenance mode and you don't invest until needed. Like you wait five years and you decide you want to modify something. You'll likely, unless you're a carpenter yourself, you would bring in uh, a partner and they would make the modifications as necessary. But you're gonna live with the basics of that house for as long as you can, tweaking as necessary. Home builders don't generally build a home and then employ a full-time carpenter to sit around and make constant modifications. Whereas software companies, on you know, they traditionally in an operational world would. If you invest a half a million dollars, say in a larger software project and you build it, uh, you're gonna spend six months to do that or whatever time period it takes to be done at the point you're done there's still a lot of other work you're still going to want to enhance and grow constantly uh in there like i mentioned earlier you you have to start thinking about the more of those types of projects you do the more you would likely want that type of resource or even a a partner that you have some type of ongoing you know agreement for a certain amount of work or just staff of your own with the expertise to back it up and monitor it and tweak it and uh, you wouldn't do that as a homeowner. You wouldn't just, I'm going to build a home, and as soon as you're done, I'm going to hire two full-time carpenters to, to take the extra bedrooms, and I'm going to keep them busy, ongoing, and they're just going to help me operate my home. Homeowners tend to do that themselves, and software companies, they they need help or they're going to need staff to do it. We we have that discussion, especially if startups are a good example. The startups, that ha- they want to build a product and sell it in the market and it's the software product, it's a mobile app, it's some, you know, hip thing, they're just going to solely rely on partners indefinitely, and there's probably a time window where that makes sense, but at some point, you're a software company, the minute you're done, the minute that product gets in a customer's hands, they're going to come to you to support it, they're going to ask you questions, you're going to have to answer the phone or answer the emails when end users say, why does this do this, or this doesn't, you know, this report doesn't add up right, uh, that there's always going to be change, or I want another report. You know, the feedback is that it does everything I want, but you're missing two reports. Who's going to add those two more reports to your tool? You need the capabilities to do that. And you have to realize ongoing by just thinking about those things you're a software company.
1: Well, the other thing that I think is, is powerful about that is the idea that you have access to the latest and greatest by thinking about operational expenditures versus capital expenditures, right? The idea that, If I'm leasing a car, and the car, let's—I don't know—I'm going to throw a random example, but let's say that um, you know uh, my car that I that I I, I'm leasing uh, has a computer chip in it that can, you know, uh, give me 30 miles to the gallon. And six months after leasing the car. Uh, Chevy comes out with a new computer chip where now I can get 37 miles to the gallon. So I'm saving seven miles per, you know, highway mile driven, whatever it is. Um, uh, Math is not my strong suit. I know that that's your, that's your strong suit. So I'm going to let you both do the math for me on future analogies. But the point is um, if I'm leasing the car, I can go take my car right to the Chevy dealership. They can pop the new computer chip in and boom, I just added seven miles to the gallon as opposed to, if I own that car outright, if I own that Chevy Tahoe outright, and I said, I bought this, this is a capital expenditure. It is mine. It is my name on the title. And boy, do I own this thing? That's parked in my driveway. Now, if that computer chip gets released, I might have to go pay 2000, 5,000, however, however many dollars to get it put in to get the advantage of those extra seven miles to the gallon. So, you know, I think that that's kind of the, a way to think about it from the standpoint of capex versus opex, um, in and, and that's a that's a really tough analogy from somebody that A is not good at math and B doesn't know anything about cars. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you would translate that analogy into the software world. Meaning, if I start to say to to myself as a business owner, okay, I'm going to operate more on the on the operational expenditure side of things, and I'm going to think about the fact that I'm going to get access to upgrades and patches and tweaks every single week, every single month, because, you know, I have people that are in my corner working on this uh, holistically. Give me some examples of, um, you know, the business software version of I get the microchip in that gives me the extra seven miles to the gallon. Go ahead, Don. There's, yeah. I mean,
0: just to sort of, anchor who I is in this perspective, you know, I is the CTO or CEO person, right? So whether you have an internal development team who is doing this work on an ongoing basis, or you have an external partner like us, uh, you know, we are the ones who are unlocking that value for you. So some of those elements could be, you know, like you said, sort of doing incremental, um, you know technology or framework updates all along the road as they are made available. Um, That's a big part of what we do and very low hanging fruit for teams to do, you know, once a year to just keep things up to date. Um, It's not, it's not difficult. Typically, it's not super expensive or laborious. There's typically upgrade paths and that's one of the biggest reasons why Software sort of goes legacy is because it just hasn't been updated in a long time. As you do those updates, there are also infrastructure opportunities to take advantage of. So, you know, when you when you started this app, maybe it was sitting on a server in your closet in your office. Well, now that's no longer really secure. It's no longer cost effective um, in the long term. Sure, you're not paying a lot monthly on it, perhaps, but Every year you're having to spend five or six figures, you know, on like hardware server upgrades, right? Or licensing or whatever it may be. So be, yeah, the app doesn't cost anything, but to run that server in your closet isn't doesn't really make a whole lot of financial sense anymore. Um, so now again, you get to take advantage
1: of it. Well, and 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 just to drive that point home, it doesn't make financial sense to do that anymore, but it's very hard to see. That on a balance sheet. Exactly. If you've been having those expenses for the last five, 10, 15, 20 years, you just go, oh, right. that's what it takes. You think about yeah. that as a baked-in cost and you mm-hmm. think about the downtime and you think about the hassle of it. There's mm-hmm. no concept of, oh, maybe we could m- do this better. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so we no deploy apps to the
0: cloud. Yeah. We deploy apps to the cloud all the time where there is minimal downtime, uh, if any. So we can just sort of cross that off the list. Uh, The ongoing cost in the cloud is, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. You know, annually, that's not that much when you're comparing it to running and maintaining your own, you know, ad hoc data center in your closet. That is not not gonna be as secure or compliant or performant or cost-effective as, you know, the big titans of cloud you know industry that do this you know professionally
1: <laughs> not not to mention what happens when your ad hoc system goes down right do you have someone like we talked about in the first episode of the podcast do you have someone that's up to date do you have someone that knows how to fix those things and i think that that's a real that's a, a big issue that people don't understand until they run into it head on and right. you know, now they're already concussed and they have no idea which way is up at that point. They're just hoping they can get back to some semblance of normalcy. Um, right. as, as we put an end cap on this episode, just tell me briefly about the idea of integrating what it means to operate like a software company with long-term business decisions. I mean, we talked about this idea of a company who is able to look beyond the services they provide or the widgets that they create and be able to think less about how am I going to improve my microwaves or my financial advice to our customers and think more about how am I going to create the next out innovation so that we can be competitive in the marketplace vis-a-vis our software. So tell me a little bit about integrating the software uh, you know, OpEx versus CapEx, and thinking about yourself as a software company when it comes to long-term business decisions.
2: Some of that, it's it's very easy. At least I think I think Don could probably agree with this as well. When we we start to work with a new customer, large or small, it's really telling the individuals they have in the right seats on the bus and what I mean by that is usually decision makers is there a technologist they don't have to be a hardcore coder somebody that's going to go solder circuit boards it's not that level of technologist but is there somebody making keeping an eye on these things and has a seat at the business table with the the, the other decision makers that is you know Number one, making sure that the right people are keeping an eye on their technology from a failover standpoint. Do you know as things are things backed up or passwords maintained Are you know, all employees accessing your network securely and able to work and collaborate just tools today, are they running? But in addition to tools of today, all the other things we talked about, are we using technology to its fullest? Where are our risks? I mean, and you can have a partner like us come in and, and interview people and maybe, help you get to some of those answers or give you some red flags that we might see, but the people that run as a software company have people making technology focused decisions that that have the power to, to make things right. And and you can't always, a partner is not always going to be it. We could serve as that role, you know, to some degree for certain size companies and help give advice to that person. But for the most part, the people that really do it successfully are and even looking forward in innovation and you know this is where our industry needs to go or us as a company you know they need to work at a sea level with the, that those other peers and say two years from now we want to be 100 percent in the cloud and we want to be taking advantage you know our business needs to go mobile or whatever that long-term arrow is and they need to help steer the ship in that direction because we can't help so we can give advice and share risks and you know, help you come up with creative solutions, and say what we, you know, share with you knowledge from other customers what they might have done. But in the end, if there's no decision maker that has that technology focus and is thinking about that stuff weekly, if not daily, you're at risk of all kinds of bad things happening. You don't understand you're a software company, and you don't know where you're going in terms of technology.
1: So, and as Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up somewhere else.
0: It's exactly right. Yeah.
1: That's yeah, starts, Kevin's exactly
0: right. It starts with leadership, uh, and then making the decision that you know how you're going to handle um, technology in your firm or organization. And I actually have a lot of respect for organizations who have gone down this path and and you know built their own software and have struggled with keeping it up to date. And how do we justify these costs over time that we're just rewriting apps that we already have? And they've actually made the, you know, fairly wise decision that look, we're not, I mean, yes, software is always going to be a part of our business, but we would rather pay more to not have the cognitive load and the obligation to keep an internal IT team up to date and modern and prepared to do these things. And we'd rather find a great trusted partner that can do these things for us. Because it's not in our best interest to focus on these things. We have other bigger and better things to focus on. We can outsource this, just like we outsource our, you know, specialized accounting that we have really complicated, you know, elements with, right? Or we outsource our, you know, marketing or design or landscaping, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, they don't need to be out there cutting the bushes. They have better things to do. Um, So there's definitely a justification for that. But it comes from having that leadership who has intentionally thought about, does this provide value for our firm for us to have this in-house, or should we find and court someone who we really trust and knows that they have our best interests at heart, um, even if it means they won't make as much money as they could?
1: Yep. And I think that that intentional leadership is really what we're talking about when it comes to out innovating your competitors, being able to see yourself as a software company, not just a widgets or a services company. And that's really what's going to propel the next level of global business superstars is the people that are willing to invest that time not only in exploring their options, but also in changing their mentality and being able to get the organization on board with what needs to happen from a mental standpoint from a strategy standpoint from a budgeting standpoint to be able to make those changes to the marketplace and we we see a lot of
2: companies still treat technology or the technologists at their company as a cost center they're just a sunk cost you know they you know management thinks they do something else their focus is elsewhere they know they've got a hundred thousand dollars a month in salaries for technologists to keep the lights on and they're just there to serve everyone else Whereas the real innovators, the real software companies, they're leading with technologies from a leadership level and making their company better in all aspects because they're making smart decisions around that technology from top to bottom. They're not just treating the team. And that also keeps good people working for you. And I think we've kind of brushed over that a little bit. Uh, technologists, it, it's, a, it's a hot market right now for people with know-how and that are really good with technology, whether it's developers, network people, uh, re- artificial intelligence people whatever the skill set there's a lot of opportunity to do some really cool things and you know salaries are high demand is high uh, if you lead with technology no matter what your business is you will draw a good technologists to you that you will provide an environment you will understand what it takes to to build that that environment for people to want to work for you if A developer is is at a company and they understand they're working in a division that's just treated as a cost center. They're just there to get a paycheck. Then, you know, you end up with the people that are only, you know, satisfied with being there to get a paycheck that, you know, just show up at eight, leave at five, do their little bit of coding. And that does not, you know, grow a strong, healthy business and does not help you innovate to be better than your competitors.
1: No, absolutely. And I think that the idea of really treating it as the integral part of your business as opposed to just somebody that mops the floors and um, you know does the, the bare minimum uh, is, is really powerful. Because, look, the bottom line is if you're a technologist today and you're working for a company that doesn't get it and they don't understand how valuable investing in their software and their technology and their people are from, from a tech standpoint – They're going to, that technologist is going to go to a place that has that environment because, you know, if you have these kinds of skills in today's day and age, you want to be noticed, you want to be recognized, you want to be compensated for it and not treated like you're just the bottom of the barrel. Um, And, and the C-suite executives don't give you a second thought until they forget their email password and need it reset. So I think that that's a, that's a whole other episode probably is talking about how to build that environment and draw those people to you. So we can certainly touch on that at some point, gentlemen. This has been a great episode and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of newsflash. You're a software company. Thanks so much for being here.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the next time.
1: That was great, man. We kick ass at this. (laughs) This is awesome. Um, So I'll uh, next steps are, I'll probably have some artwork for you tomorrow. We can look at what some new modern takes on, on the, the, the artwork can be. And I'm going to work on the intro and the outro, and I'll send you those. I'll probably actually send them to you in a Google Doc so that we can kind of edit back and forth. And then let's just, we'll throw those around and then maybe we can get those nailed down in the next day or two. And then we can have episode one edited with the new intro, outro, cover art, and then we'll be ready to go. And by the way, the cover art, just so you know, we can change it out at any time. So as long as we have something that's decent, we can push play on this Thursday or Friday and I can always switch it out if we find a better one, you know, down the line. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Awesome, gents. Talk to you very soon. Thank you very much, man. See ya. This podcast is presented to you by Architect Now. Whether launching new cloud or mobile apps or modernizing your legacy platforms, Architect Now can help you identify the best options and work with you to bring those ideas to life. If you like the information in this podcast, we can assure you it is only a fraction of the actionable wisdom and insights you will gain by talking to the team at Architect Now. To learn more and start a conversation, visit us on the web at www.architectnow.net. We'll see you on the next episode of the Newsflash, You're a Software Company podcast.